You're listening to Smart Businesses Do This, where I am joined by the one and only Jordan Harbinger. Jordan is not only an incredibly good friend of mine that I've known for many, many years, but he is the founder and creator of the the Jordan Harbinger podcast. Um, He also founded a dating company back in the day. He's an ex-lawyer and he has the most interesting stories of any man I have ever met. You are listening to Smart Businesses Do This, the podcast show for freelancers, side hustlers, and upcoming small business owners who want to transform their current business or business idea into a company that is built to succeed, simple to run, and gives you the freedom to live your life on your own terms. I'm your host, Adam Lyons. Let's get started. Jordan, I'm not kidding. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity, man. It would be weird if you were kidding about all that. Like, just kidding. Actually, I just didn't have another guest today, so thanks for showing up at the last minute. I got my buddy yeah. Jordan to cover yeah. me. He doesn't know anything about podcasting. You remember um, those days back in the day? Like, maybe you didn't have this, but I remember early days, 15 years ago, podcasting. I was like, dude, who am I going to have on next week? And I would just call friends, and I'd be like, can you come on my podcast? And they'd be like, lose my number, <laughs> loser. What's a podcast? <laughs> I uh, I remember you phoning me up and, yeah. and asking me to do it last minute. For example, yeah. Hey, what are you doing tomorrow? You want to spend an hour talking with me on Skype? Yeah. <laughs> so of, of everyone that I could have on this podcast, like you're the one that I've wanted more than more than anything. Uh, mostly because, I mean, you were the one that's been preaching to me forever to do podcasts. Mm-hmm. So like this wouldn't exist if it wasn't for you. But of whenever I go anywhere, I've always got crazy stories of things that I've done. I've got stories of me getting in an African stick fight with a, an African stick fighting champion. Mm. Um, I fought a traditional Japanese warrior uh, with katanas in an alley um, outside of a Japanese sushi restaurant. I mean, I've got some pretty crazy stories. Dude, yours beat mine every time. <laughs> no sword fighting on my end, though. Generally. No, but, but how many times have you been kidnapped? Yeah, twice. But, you know, to be fair, uh, they they were kind of dumb kidnappings. Well, one of them was dumb. The other one was legit. You know, <laughs> so, one was like fake taxi, you know, idiot <laughs> tourists kind of thing. Like, sh- fool me once. The other one was like state security officers in Serbia. And bef- if you're Serbian and you're listening to this, don't get mad at me. I like Serbia. P- Serbs are always like, I, I hate this guy. He's going to talk crap about my country. I went back there. I stayed there for 14 months. I still got my friends there. I don't blame the country for that. I mean, that's the problem with authoritarian regimes. You know, you have corruption and you have like bad cops that terrorize people and you stay there long enough and you run into that stuff. (laughs) So if you don't mind, I would love you to share either kidnapping story before we get into it, because dude, these are so good. And you're the only person I know that has stories like this outside of me. And it makes me feel more normal. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, that that does. There is a element of truth to that statement, <laughs> right? Like, find weirder people than you to make yourself look and feel normal. Yeah, I, the, <laughs> the the quick versions. I've done both of these, like long, long ones, like long version on my podcast. Uh, I think just search for kidnap at jordanharbinger.com and it should come up. But one of them, the the less serious one, was the one in Mexico where. I was living kind of in the hood, you know, uh, with like old people who had a room on top of their house that they were letting me sleep in. And I got into a taxi and the, they're like green Volkswagen Beetles. And that that's like a very famous sort of Mexico city taxi. And I get in without thinking like 
is this a real taxi? Because of course it's a real taxi. It's a Volkswagen Beetle. I mean, who the hell else drives a green Volkswagen Beetle from like 1968? It's, that's what the taxis look like. <laughs> so I get in and I'm like, by the way, I only have a credit card, so I'm going to have to pay you at the destination. Um, we're off to stop at an ATM. And he's like, okay, no problem. So we're driving in Mexico City. Is, it's, Mexico City is shaped like a bowl. And if you go down towards the middle of the bowl, it's low, like low land, and that's the center of town. And if you go up, you're going away from the center of town. It's really obvious. So I was like, hmm, we're going away from the place where I want to go. The place where I want to go is right near the presidential palace, right in the center of town. So like, what are we doing? So finally, I'm like, hey, man, where are we going? And I thought he was going to say traffic or accident or detour. But instead, he's like, I'm going to ask for directions. And that was a major, major red flag because... If you get a cab in D.C. and you say, take me to the White House, they don't need directions. And I was going <laughs> next to the presidential palace. So it was kind of like or like Times Square in New York. Like, oh, I need directions. Wait a minute. What? You know, how long have you been doing this? More than five minutes. <laughs> uh, are you from here? So I was like, that doesn't make sense. And this is bear in mind, this is before mobile phones. So I wasn't scrolling on Instagram. This is the year 2000 or 2001. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And then I realize I'm going further and further away. There's lesser and lesser lights. The neighborhood's getting rougher and rougher and rougher and darker and darker. And I was like, okay, this is not good. And it, it was an interesting sort of thought process that 2020 hindsight, I think a lot of people go through. Mm -hmm. So my first thought was, this is probably fine. And then my second thought was, why on earth would I think that this is fine? This is definitely not fine. Right. <laughs> and then... After that, it was, well, I can't really be, this can't really be anything bad, right? It's got to be, there's got to be an expl explanation for this. And then I thought, why must there be an explanation for this? I'm pretty sure I just want there to be an ex explanation for this, and <laughs> there isn't one, other than that I'm getting kidnapped. And then it was like, but I've never been kidnapped before, so why would it happen now? And then I'm like, well, that's not really a good rationale either. A lot of people get kidnapped once, <laughs> and that's it, and that's it, right? And we never hear from them again. And it was just like, hmm. I'm in trouble probably. So I, I realized I couldn't get out of the car because the locks had been cut. So you remember those like kid cars when we were growing up as kids, yep. the locks pop up and down. Well, th what this person had done either intentionally or otherwise, and I assume intentionally, I'm guessing intentionally yeah, yeah. Guess, since it's a freaking kidnap mobile uh, at this point, they, I, I tried to pull the, the door open, wouldn't open. You know, I tried to be slick about it. Not like, ah, and it wouldn't open. And I was like, oh, the lock's not going up. So it either had the child lock thing on there, if that even exists in a 1968 Volkswagen Beetle, or it was rigged to have that kind of mechanism. And then I was like, hmm. So then I thought, oh, I'll pull the lock up. But I realized like th they had been put up high as they go and then cut and then lowered below. They were like below the surface of the door. So I couldn't actually unlock it, you know, with my fingers. Yep. And I was yep, like, oh, crap. And I looked down in there thinking, like, maybe I can try and get it with something. And it was just like this little tiny wire, like the plastic or if there was any plastic on there it had been stripped off. And I was like, I can't get in. I can't open this. And the other side, same thing. And I was like, this is designed this way. So I was like, hey, man, can you just take me back? And he's like, no, <laughs> we're almost there. And I was like, dude, almost where? Like to the basement where you're going to lock me up? And, to kidnap house. <laughs> yeah, to the kidnap safe as a stash house. And then I was like, look, man, let me out right here and I'll pay you. And he's like, I thought you said you only had a credit card. And I was like, damn, I totally did say that. Also, he wasn't planning on letting me out there anyway. Yeah. And I was like, what can I kick the window out? You know, like, what am I going to do? And before I kind of had the, the guts slash opportunity to do that, he's pulling up in front of this house and he's like, 
hey, I'm just going to get out and ask my friends for directions. Remember, this is pre-mobile phone, so he couldn't call anyone, I couldn't call anyone. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, man, you know, I better... This is the secondary, this is the secondary location. Like I'd saw my, my now friend Gavin DeBecker on Oprah in like 1994 talking about never, never let them take you to the secondary location. It was like safety tips for women or something mm-hmm. on Oprah. And I was like, this is the secondary location from that guy on Oprah that I watched with my mom <laughs> that one day. So I slid behind him And, you know, because he was in the driver's seat and I was in the back seat. So I slid behind him and I was like, hey, man, don't get out of the car. And I slyly slid my arm between him and the door. And he didn't know that that was there. And he's like, "Okay, relax, relax. And then he like made a fast one to go for the door. But I had my arm there. And this guy, this is now now is the point where it, it makes sense to tell you. I was 20 and I worked out two times a day and all I ate were carne asada burritos and tacos and fajitas. And this guy was 50 something and sat in a taxi all day, probably also eating carne asada burritos and tacos and other things that, but it was a a totally different type of thing. Like I easily had 40 plus pounds on this guy and (laughs) was in shape. So I just choked him out between like I, I put my chest against the back of the seat, reached around and I put my forearm over his nose and mouth. And then my other arm over his neck and just put him to sleep he struggled a lot and I thought he, he might stab me or something like that. Cause I don't know what he has, but he was, he was weak and older and out of shape. So by the time we were done struggling, I had to crawl between the two seats, push him out of the car. At which point I realized I can't drive a stick shift from 1968 because even if I could drive a stick while I'm like panicking and adrenaline going crazy, I also don't know, you know, like there's a clutch, but it sticks weird because it's a 40 year old car right. and you know, I'm, I'm not sure how to shift it. And the shifter has been modified. So it's longer because it's also that's been grand theft auto now. Like, are you in trouble? Right. I'm like, and I'm stealing a car and like, is the guy dead? Is he going to, and I'm like, all right. So I take the car keys out and I throw them. I should have kept the keys, but whatever. It didn't matter. I threw the keys because I didn't want him to just like wake up 10 seconds. Because I've choked people out in, in martial arts before. They wake up 30 seconds later, not even, 10 seconds later. And they're like, all right, you know, they're fine. That didn't happen. So I had put him out good. And I threw him out of the car. So maybe he hit his head. I don't know. But he stayed out for a while. I ran because um, I didn't want his friends also to look out the window and be like, I heard the car stop. Oh, he's on the ground. And there's a guy trying to drive It's you know with a car in neutral sitting in the front. Yeah. So I just ran and I ran back the way we came, but there was not a whole lot there. And nobody, I saw other cars. I got to a main road after a while. Nobody would stop for me because I was a sweaty gringo in the middle of nowhere at night, like sweating through my dress shirt and pants because I was going to meet friends. And people are like, no way. So finally someone stops because I had like bleach blonde hair. You know, I was 20 years old and someone stops and they're like, are you okay? And I was like, get me out of here. I've been kidnapped. And the guy was like, I'm not letting you in the car. And I was like, fair play, right? But he was with a woman and she was like, we can't leave him here. He's clearly like not from here. He's a foreigner, whatever, American. And the guy's like, fine. And I was like, I will, I will go in the trunk if you're worried about your safety. Just get me out of here. You know, I was freaked out and he could tell. And he's because he was a doctor. He was like, are you okay? I'm a doctor. I remember that was the first thing he said. So I was like, just, you know, just get me out of here. And so finally they get me in the car and they're like, where do we take you? And I was like, police. And they were like, no, dude. (laughs) Like, cause I told them a little bit of the story and I was like, take me to the police station. And they're like, dude, I'm not taking you to the police station. One, I don't want to be involved. And two, Mm -hmm. 
you don't want this to go to the police because if you got kidnapped by a gang, the police might take you back here. Also, where's the cab driver? You said you choked him out and threw him on the ground. Like, is he okay? And I was like, good (laughs) questions from a rational, calm guy who's not (laughs) panicking, who's a doctor. And I was like, don't know the answers to any of those questions. And I was like, take me to a metro station. He's like, because I was originally like, I live in the hills over here. And he's like, I don't want to go all the way back there. And also I don't want, I don't even want to know where you live or anything. And I was like (laughs) Metro station. So he dropped me off at a subway station and I rode the subway back, sort of made my way back to my place, uh, which was actually not super smart because remember the guy picked me up in my own neighborhood. So if he woke up and was looking for me, he could have done that. But luckily he didn't. And I ended up going out and meeting my friends. And I was like, dude, you're never going to guess what happened. And I I remember vaguely like getting a hotel that night and then going home early AF, like 5 a.m. packing and leaving, like leaving Mexico City. Yeah. And I just I never my job was like, where are you? And I was like, so I got kidnapped, uh, escaped and I'm not coming back to Mexico City ever. And they're like, are you home? And I was like, hmm. Yes, I'm home in the United States, as far as you know. And they were like, okay, sorry that happened to you. But I had moved to Guadalajara, and I didn't want to be like, you can find the the kidnappers whose father I just murdered can find me in Guadalajara. Like, I don't know what happened, you know? Like, I don't know if the guy's okay or anything. Since since then, I have had contacts in Mexican law enforcement look up and see if there's anything, like, wanted this guy for this thing, and there isn't. So I, I assume the guy woke up and went, damn it, and got back in his car and went and kidnapped somebody else or went to sleep or something, you know? So I don't think there's no like unsolved crimes in that area on that day that the police have, had registered. So I think I'm off the hook there. But it was, can you imagine if it was just like this massive misunderstanding? Like he, uh-huh. <laughs> he got that has occurred to me, man. Wagon with like broken back locks and he, he doesn't know how the child lock works and he literally was lost and went to his buddy who's trying to help him out, get back on his feet. <laughs> yeah. Or like I misunderstood him and he was like, I'll just tell him I'm going to get directions cause he's foreign, but really I need to go get motor oil from the car. So I'm going to go home first. <laughs> and I just like choked this dude out in front of his house. But you know what? The thing is he made a fast one for the door and I'm like, yeah. that's not a move you make when you're like, relax, dude, I'm just getting motor oil for my car. Or like, what are you talking about? I'm just getting directions from my buddy because I'm lost. Like, he was really like, yeah. it was like at first, like, calm down, everything will be fine. And then he was like, boom. And I was like, nah, I saw that move coming. You're not fast. And it was, <laughs> you just don't do that when you're not trying to be slick. So yeah. I suspect that he was going to, and now I know about express kidnappings. Back then, nobody knew about express kidnappings where guys get in your car and take you to ATMs and rob you. I think me going, I have a credit card in my pocket, no cash, was a bad idea. Duh, I was 20 and stupid. I think he was going to go get some big dudes with guns or knives, and they were going to be like, go to ATMs, and then we're going to drive you around for three hours and then leave you in the middle of Mexico City or possibly drop you home, which I heard happens too. But I'm like, I could have also got chopped up into little pieces over a really slow period of time. So I don't know. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to stick around and find out. Um, that's for sure. I, I love this. So, yeah, for everyone listening, like obviously incredible story, but it's great because, you know, this is kind of how me and Jordan bonded. Uh, we both have some pretty crazy stories, both uh, had an interesting life. Um, and, and really, that's kind of like one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here today. Sure. Because I find with the exception of you, like I said, and a few other people, most people I meet don't have these kind of stories. And whether you're 
a business owner trying to, you know, relate to your customers or whether you're, you know, doing a multi-million dollar negotiation. I do a lot of uh, emergent acquisitions now and you're sitting around the table and, you know, you want to hold attention for a while or tell a, an interesting story over dinner to, to relate something. If you don't have those experiences, people say to me like, well, I don't know what to talk about. You know, what do I talk yeah. about? And I wanted to talk to you about like, how do you get those kind of stories? I mean, obviously not wanting people to get kidnapped, sure, but, yeah. not, but you have more stories than that, right? You went to, yeah. you went to North Korea, you've, um, you know, you've helped, uh, you've helped hackers and, and all sorts of stuff. You know, that's true. Yeah. It, it's funny. Cause I, you know, a lot of times people are like, I just live a really crazy life. And I'm like, I don't believe you, you know, that for me, I will, I used to, I should say I have two kids now, so it's less so, but I used to be like, I'll do almost anything for the story. So if someone's like, let's go to North Korea, I'm like, yeah, let's do that. That sounds fun and wild and we'll, we'll go and do that. Now it's more like, okay, I'll go on a more controlled crazy thing. Like I went to the Amazon jungle last year in, I think, October, November, and it was really far in the jungle, stayed at a science station, went hiking for two weeks. You know, there's no phones, there's no electricity, like really deep in the jungle. And I was like, this is going to be good personal growth. It'll be fun. And then when I come back, I'll have a bunch of stories. And that's a lot of times how I've sort of lived my life, like really looking forward to experiences that are interesting and unique. And then those unique and interesting experiences turn into stories that are useful later on. And when I was younger, I would do things to get a story because that was what, you know, it would increase your status and make you more interesting, like to date or whatever. Yeah. You know, like I said, now I'm married with kids. So it's less that and more like, oh, life experiences are really fun. But I don't think you have to go to North Korea or get kidnapped in order to have good <laughs> stories. I think one, I think a lot of people have good stories and they just don't think about them as as such. I remember and you'll relate to this when I was doing the dating thing back in the day, like a long time ago. Pr this is probably like almost 15 years ago now. We were teaching a boot camp or a workshop and this guy was like, I don't have any cool stories. And I was like, you must have some cool stories. And the other guy who was there was like, I don't have any cool stories either. And I was like, really? You know, okay, tell me what you do. And they were like, yeah, do that. What well, guy was like, I'm a truck driver. You can't make that interesting. I was like, I bet we can. And I was like, all right, well, what got you driving a truck? And it was like 10 minutes into this. How did you get started with truck driving? He's like, well, I joined the military and then I went to Iraq and I was in charge of a fuel tanker. And I was like, so you drove a <laughs> fuel tanker through a war zone. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, well, did you ever have any incidents where you get, and they're like, oh yeah, they, we used to get attacked or convoys would get attacked all the time. Uh, and I'm like, what do you do if people are shooting rockets at your fuel tanker full of fuel? And he's like, oh man, we had an iPod and we would crank up, you know, Megadeth and we would gun it and we'd just be blasting metal thinking like, all right, you know, we're getting out of this in one piece or not. And, but they'd have the music blasting driving. And I was like, so you drove a tanker full of fuel in an ambush while Iraqi insurgents are shooting rocket RPGs at your truck, blasting heavy metal, and you don't think you have anything interesting to talk about. And he's like, okay, fine. You got me on that one. And it's, it's funny because people will live their whole life thinking, eh, I haven't really done that much. And they just, it's because it happened to them and it seemed normal that it doesn't seem interesting to them or maybe no, notable to them. The other guy, same table at this Mexican restaurant where we went through that, I was, he was like, well, I don't really do anything interesting. I, I, I just have a hobby where I fly a plane, but it's not that interesting. And I was like, oh, you can make that interesting. And it turned out that what this guy had done was one of the reasons he bought the plane was because his dad always wanted to fly a plane, but he grew up in Cuba and you know, you can't just buy a plane in Cuba, even if you are wealthy. <laughs> 
So then when they came back to, when they moved to Florida, I should say, he bought a plane and now on weekends, this guy flies over Southern Florida looking for Cuban refugees and and his plane calls it into the Coast Guard so these people can get rescued if they're drowning in their, you know, makeshift rafts. And I'm like, that's also really interesting. But he doesn't think of it that way because he's been doing it for years and he looks at it as kind of like this little volunteer thing that he does instead of a really interesting element that that illustrates a lot of his personality. And I think a lot of people fall into that. They just don't think what they do is that interesting because they're the one doing it and they look at themselves not as fascinating, interesting people, but as normal folks. And so therefore everything they do falls into that category. So I do. First of all, I love that. Cause I agree with you. There is, you know, your, everyone's life is unique. Everyone's life mm-hmm. is, is different. And you know, there, are, I, I always tell people what's the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to you yeah. or what's the scariest thing that ever happened to you or what's a time that you did something where you saved somebody. Those three things are going to be amazing stories always. Um, and so that's always key. But I love something you said earlier. You said something that I am the only other person I've ever heard say it. Um, and it's funny because I've never heard you say it either, which is I do things just for the story. Sure. Yeah. That I mean, is a lot of young people me. do that, I think. But they don't think about that. They just think it'll be fun. But I'm like, you, it's not really going to be that fun. You're going to get bitten by bugs. It's going to be hot. You know, it's going to be torture. Yeah. <laughs> but you're going to come back down from the mountain you climbed or like Chernobyl. And you're going to be like, I went to Chernobyl. Right. Like. It'll be yeah. fun-ish in the moment, but the experience, it's like all of, I'm sure there's a scientist who talks about this, but experiences are often like the, your reflection, what is it, what, like anticipation of an experience is better than the actual experience, and then reflection on an experience is what makes it meaningful, and also some people will look back on an experience that they didn't really particularly enjoy or that didn't stick out at the time, and then like five years later, they're like, yeah, that was so awesome, but it's yeah. all just your memory doing things to the experience like in the moment it, it might not even be fun at all you might wish you were at home watching netflix so it's funny i just had one this weekend right so it literally just happened i have a, a really good friend of mine he runs a, a business mastermind in florida uh he's got about 60 multimillionaires that meet up once every three months or so to mm-hmm. you know grow their companies and uh, he invited me to be a speaker go and talk for an hour and uh, i'm on a huge uh, virtual reality kick right now so yeah. i was like you know what uh, two days in Florida, I'll, you know, go speak for an hour. I don't really need to listen to any of the other speakers. I kind of, I've heard them all before and you know, mm-hmm. I know the talks. I was like, but I'll bring all my VR equipment with me and I'll play around and, you know, it'll be fun. So me and my fiance, we get on a plane, we were about to go. And my buddy phones me. He's like, Hey, can I ask you the biggest favor? And I was like, sure. And he goes, I have COVID. Mm. And he goes, and I've got it bad. Like, he's like, I can barely move. Like it really sucks. Is that would you run the event for me? Hmm. And I, I could imagine all the people I know that would instantly follow that with how much you're going to pay me, yeah. you know, or oh, I had plans or is there anyone on it? Like instantly start with either what's in it for me or what are the excuses? And the first thing that went from my head is how cool will it be to talk about the fact that I rocked up at this guy's mastermind packed with these successful people and with no prep, no knowledge, nothing run the whole thing, take over all the missing speaking slots. And what he didn't know is I made a decision to uh, do sales while I was there. So, <laughs> cause I thought it would be funny. <laughs> and so I gave up my whole weekend and I, I ran his event and uh, I ended up making him uh, 300 grand in sales, uh, which was, you know, not bad. Uh, it was, it was a little bit more than they anticipated, which was good. 
because uh, because it was a non-sales event, you know, it was mm-hmm. supposed to be very very passive. Um, but uh, I also you had a marketing competition, and it's funny talking about not wanting to do stuff. I didn't want to do it because I was like, I'm running this whole event. I don't want to enter the marketing contest as well. And my buddy's like, no, you got to. I've told everyone you're going to do it. And I was like, man, but now I'm running the whole event. And he goes, can you just do the competition as well? And I remember that voice in my head being like, oh, but I don't want to do it. I don't, you know, but then I, just like you said, I was like, but I want the story. So I said yes and did it. So I won the marketing competition as well, um, which of course I posted everywhere. And it's exactly like you said, I lost two days of my life. Mm-hmm. I worked really, really hard. Um, at the time, it sucked because, I mean, there was one moment I was on stage and there was a note in front of me about what I was supposed to talk about. And it literally just said, tell them the big three. Oh, God. <laughs> I was like, the big three, what? So I just Yikes. like invented that <laughs> and got a standing ovation, by the way, which, is, which I don't think is insane. But, um, but, you know, but at the end of it, when I look back, oh, I'm going to be telling this story for ages about that time my buddy had COVID and I ran his event for him. I, I, uh, that's, I'm getting triggered right now. Cause I ran an event a long time ago. I should say I hosted an event, like emceed an event a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I look, I was like, all right, in our next guest. And then the teleprompter just said stall for time in all caps. And I was like, <laughs> by doing what? Like all I have <laughs> is the introduction to the next speaker. What oh, do you want God. me to do? And I literally just started being like, you know what guys? This is, a, this is an awkward moment because the teleprompter right now, all it says is stall for time and big block letters. And everyone started laughing. And I was like, let me just start telling you a story about something. Because otherwise, there's no there's no um, segue from, <laughs> oh, I was going to introduce this guy. But first, let me waste a bunch of time. Everyone will be like, what are you doing? Just introduce the guy. I'm like, I have to. I've got to stall oh, for time. So here's yeah. what's going on right now. Like, y'all listen up. This is uh, This is a little bit of an emergency. And oh. so people were just sort of laughing about it. But it was kind of terrifying because you're thinking everyone's looking at me right now to not screw this up. Uh, yeah. Stall for time. <laughs> well, and, and what I love about this, and this is, you know, for everyone listening here, what, what you're hearing is the real behind the scenes that people won't talk about, about what it actually takes to be successful. Mm. Like Jordan and myself and, and, you know, the other people that I would put as, as high performers, you, you can't be a high performer without doing high performance stuff, right? Like when someone says to you, you got to do this, you you got to do it. There is no, I'm tired. I don't know how to do it. What do you want me to do? Tell me what to say and I'll say it. Like I hear those phrases all the time from other like wannabe experts, but the real people that know what they're doing, they're just like, okay, I'll do it. There's no questions. They step up and they get it done. Um, and actually, I don't, I, I, do you do much public speaking now? I know you did for a while. Uh, I'm actually, yeah, I'm, I'm heading on a flight. Like right as soon as we're done here, I'm going to the airport to do that exact thing. Okay, so here's what cracks me up about, about public speaking. I'm with this group of like business people. Um, I don't want to name and shame them, but, um, but they're very high up business people do a lot of public speaking. And their favorite game to play on each other is to switch the water on stage with straight vodka. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, and they that, play that those- sounds awesome to me. I mean, sign me up. <laughs> like- well, yeah, because they don't know. So you're thirsty and you knock back some oh. water and you just, mm. oh yeah. They- or the other one they do is uh, when they introduce each other, they change the topic and have changed the slides to aid with the new topic. So it'll be like, you know, you'll, you'll go up there and you think you're going to give a talk on, you know, I don't know, some kind of sales strategy. And then you're introduced as, and so now Adam's going to share his top 10 ways to do marketing 
on Friendster, which a lot of people think isn't used anymore, but it really is from marketing. And then you have this slide that's like a picture of you, a picture of Friendster. And then it's like tip one. <laughs> Wait, I've, obviously Friendster does not exist anymore. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Friend, I'm, I'm going to friendster.com just to see what it is. I may regret the outcome of this experiment. It seems like the kind of thing that would, oh, there's just nothing happening. All right. Well, the, it definitely doesn't exist. And also, say it appears, friendster.com is probably available. There we go. So somebody could totally take over. Uh, what a great observation. Somebody listening to this, there you go. This is your opportunity. Uh, you can, um, login.e.com has the Friendster old version. The what version? Login.e, L-O-G-I-N-E-E says Friendster login old version. I've got no idea what that is. Oh, that's no idea what I'm looking at. Yeah, interesting. And mine just hangs. So, <laughs> yeah, so the, the idea that you were mentioning before that people just sort of step up and say yes, I mean, there's a broader message here, which is, look, I'm 42. I don't usually like, I'm not like, let me test my business skills by jumping into something new. I like to do new things all the time, but usually for recreational purposes, like ride a camel, <laughs> not like yeah. learn a brand new skill for my business all the time. Like I'm, I'm a stick to what works kind of guy. But when I get opportunities, I will learn new skills for business, like take a public speaking course that's 20 days long. That's all about performance and stage stuff or yeah, do a live show that I normally wouldn't do. And I like to take those opportunities because it just does, it forces growth. Otherwise you're like, okay, I'm going to maybe try this new thing. Ah, now's not the right time. Ah, I've got this other thing. Ah, I'm kind of lazy. I don't want to do it. So I do tend to say yes to not everything, of course, but some experiences that I think are going to be good. And I usually have to talk myself into it. It's usually like, this is going to be a pain. I really don't want to do it. Okay. What am I going to learn? What am I potentially going to get out of this? And mm. if that is something that's worthwhile, then I will go ahead and do it. You know, there's a lot of things I, I do prefer to say no to m most things now, just because of, of the, there's something to maintaining focus for sure, especially in this day and age. But I try not to use that as an excuse to just, you know, never do public speaking or never do uh, live stuff or never do X, Y, Z. And I think a lot of people, they jump back into their comfort zone. Even people that are sort of high performers will stay in their comfort zone because they don't want to look like a newbie or feel like a newbie again. And also it's it just as it, it, it says in the right there in the, on the label, it is uncomfortable. And the older we get in the more, the better we get at other things, it's easy to be like, well, I'm just going to stick to podcasting and I'm never going to do live stuff because podcasting is working. And sometimes that just becomes another really believable excuse. I love, um, you know, there's, there's a really good analogy I heard. I don't even know if it's true, but I don't care. I like it about um, a diamond only has value after it's put under insane amounts of pressure, cut multiple times, and finally shaped by someone who knows what they're doing. Sure. I mean, diamonds are formed by pressure, so they don't have to put it under additional pressure, but they do have to cut it. Otherwise, it looks like a piece of gravel. Yeah. Well, and, that, and I think that's the point. It's like, first there's pressure, then you have to get cut, which they, they liken to damage. Um, and then finally you have this master artisan that actually shapes it. Um, and it's like the process of, you know, first you're under pressure, um, you know, a lot of uh, pressure to perform, to do stuff and you rise up to it and you say, okay, I'm going to do it where you're a raw diamond. Then you try and do it and, you know, you take your knocks and, and that's what sort of like gets you going. And then lastly, you find somebody to shape you and, and help you learn. 
And I find, I, I just love that analogy, at least you know, for me, I, I resonate with it. And, um, and I'm constantly thinking, how can I continually reshape who I am and improve? Which is funny. That's why I was doing virtual reality stuff all last weekend. Well, wanted to, I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. But um, because I was like, this is something I know a little bit about, but I'm definitely not fully knowledgeable about it. And while everyone else is getting into crypto and NFTs, I was like, I'm actually going to you know, understand what meta is from a virtual reality standpoint. I'm going to really get involved. Yeah, I, I think there's there's something. Well, look, don't even get me started on NFTs, but the the VR stuff is interesting <laughs> as well. I'm, I'm I'm I remain unconvinced so far. I guess we'll see. It's too nascent, and I I can't quite wrap my head around that. But then again, I did that with crypto. Like people told me to buy Bitcoin in 2013, and I was like, eh, I don't know, fine. Here's here's the the thing that got me uh, with the virtual reality. I, I didn't. I wasn't like one way or the other on it. It was like a cool toy. Like I bought my kids like Oculus Quest yeah, and what sure. have you. And um, do, do you have the Oculus Quest? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So there's there's a game on it. Um, I think it's called Swords and Sorcery or Blades and Sorcery or something. But it's a you're you're in a coliseum and you sword fight people. And as you know, I used to be a professional fencer, and it actually works. Like all my fencing moves work. And so I can literally stand in a coliseum on the evenings, and I can sword fight gladiator, gladiators one after the other. And you can choose your weapon because it's a gladiator arena. So I can pick a rapier and literally fence in the evenings. Hmm. And, you know, because it's a video game, it, it's not really equipped to deal with an international competitive fencer. No. I'll just like kill 32 people in a row. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised yeah. it's even sensitive enough to like get all your moves. Oh, yeah. It's super. It's actually really accurate. That's what blew me away because I've, I've played like, you know, the Wii kind of games where it's like, oh, it, yeah. it's kind of sword fighting, but not really. But no, yeah. this is real. Like I can do, I can do binds, which is crazy. Like I can, I can grab their sword and position it and move it to open them up for an attack. I can yeah. do all sorts of stuff. And it's really accurate. That's what got me. I was like, wow, I rarely sword fight, but now with virtual reality, I can actually sword fight like every evening if I want. Yeah. That's which pretty I haven't neat. done since I was a teenager. Yeah. That's pretty neat. Yeah. I, I think there's a, that's a really interesting use case. I mean, look, it's athletics or something, but that means that like a doctor could perform a specific part of a surgery and only that part every single day, 50 times, like tying up an artery or something. Yeah. Right. Normally you can't do that. You have to practice on some cadavers and then practice during live surgeries, which is obviously sort of, you know, dangerous. The stakes are really high and you only get one shot at it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Theoretically, I don't, I'm not a doctor, so I, I'm sure there's, (laughs) inaccuracies here but imagine you just have to tie up this one artery and it has to be done quickly and yada yada the vr you know you could train on that and you could you could do as many reps in one week as you'd get in years doing that surgery a few times a week to me that's where the value is like i think that is like really genuinely and like like you know the nostalgia of being able to do it and like because i'm not actually sword fighting like i used to get a lot of injuries like i don't get injured you know you don't need eye protection or anything yeah right yeah exactly although i have got eye protection because of the glasses but you're right i you know you don't need to but but you know the the danger of like coming into physical contact i used to get covered in blood and bruises believe it or not because it is still a metal weapon um but you know it's it's nice i I get to go through those motions and uh, and I, i i saw that um that benefit i was like oh i get this like that was cool and then um, there's a lot of multiplayer games you can play with uh, with kids, with family. The the one that I really like is Akron, A-K-R-O-N. And, uh, you know, I've got, I know you've got two kids and they, mm-hmm. they're going to get to video game age soon. But what's really cool about Acorn is it's a very simple game, but the whole family can play it. You say and Acorn? 
Uh, it's Acorn, like oh. R and O are swapped on Acorn. Oh, okay, I've and played Acorn, which I think is is the name of the game where you're either a squirrel or I think a tree. This Have is the game. This? That's the one. But it's Acorn. Oh, oh I just not thought it was called Acorn. Okay, I yeah, love that game. That's yeah, so it's, fun. It's there hilarious. You go. So that one. Yeah, so me and my kids, what, like I'll literally get all my kids, they will have like, well, they don't have phones, but they'll borrow phones and we'll play Acorn for hours in yeah. the evening. And, um, you know, my, my kids, uh, the video game ages, you know, there's a three-year-old, a four-year-old, a seven-year-old and a 12-year-old. And um, I'll, I'll be the tree in the VR headset and I'll literally make giant tree noises, you know? So I'm like, oh, I'm a big tree. Mm-hmm. And I do that kind of stuff. And the kids are cracking up, you know, like, they're like, dad, you're so fun. Um, so yeah, so I think that's where it is. Um, and so once I started doing that, I was like, you know what? I should, uh, I should really explore this a little bit more. Um, yeah, I think there's, there's probably commercial applications that make more sense. I mean, sure, it's fun as a gaming device, but I think you're, you know, we're onto something with a commercial application, which mm-hmm. I haven't heard much about, right? I, I haven't heard a whole lot about the commercial application, but I'm also not really paying attention. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, so I'll, I'll tell you one, and this is like, um, you know, kind of like where, where my head's at, which I think is really cool. Um, they, they make VR cameras now that are pretty affordable. Uh, it's like a 5k camera you can buy it on Amazon for like 500 bucks. And what's cool about it is it's just like set and play. You know, I just set up the camera, push record. And what it does is it records everything in a room and the viewer is seated where the camera is. And what I think is really cool about this is like, we're having this, you know, this podcast right now. If we had the camera set up, someone could be a third person in the room. Yeah, I've done those shows before. Yeah, there was a company called Mant VR that used to work with Podcast One, my network, and they would set this sort of octopus camera thing in the mm-hmm. room and it would be like, you know, me, Adam Carolla and Shaquille O'Neal. And then there'd be like a, it would be positioned in the fourth chair. So they couldn't talk obviously, but they would be, they could look at whoever was talking like they were just sitting there. Pretty neat. Right. And so when we talk about commercial applications, I do think that's where the real value is because like um, we do a lot of uh, standard operating procedures in our company, you know, the, the smart blueprints kind of what we're all about. And um, to have somebody and be able to sit them right next to you while you work on something and be like, because like, uh, so we do, say we're doing video editing, even if I do a loom and record the screen, that doesn't show where I store the hard drive. <laughs> mm-hmm. But having the VR version where someone can look over my shoulder and see the screen and then see me take out the hard drive and store it and file it where it goes, there is a, a real value in that kind of training. And the cool thing about it is they can watch that video from home before they even come into the office. And they now know where everything is in the office. Yeah, that's a really interesting idea. Yeah, I the I mean of course the most obvious example is the like 3D real estate tours which just make me right. dizzy a little bit cuz the way they're filmed, but that that'll mm-hmm. get ironed out. And then you can go see properties without actually leaving your house until you see the ones that you want to go see in person. Yeah, and actually um I I know a lot of people in real estate for certain value properties, it's actually considered a must now. They at a really? certain point, yeah, the 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 people buying will actually request it. So I, I want to see a 3D walkthrough. Um, which makes sense because, you know, I, I live on a, a multi-million dollar estate just outside of Austin and I bought it without seeing it because I was traveling and I, you know, the way the housing market is right now, you got to buy when you buy. Like the minute it's available, you got to be on it. Yeah, you can't and be like, I'll be back no in three could... weeks. So let's talk then. Yeah, no. <laughs> right? Yeah, there's none of that. Like they literally said to me, they were like, this is going to go by tomorrow morning. And I was like, I can't get a flight until then. And they're like, mm-hmm. well, do you want it or not? And so I had a friend 
who was nearby drive with a video camera and film it. And I based it off that, but that would have been really cool to have like a 3D. I mean, also, if it's going to go by tomorrow morning, fine. You buy it. If you don't like it, you can just sell it again. And it'll be gone <laughs> that by was tomorrow my morning. Yeah, that was, actually, it's funny. My, uh, my friend that came to look at it, I have, he has completely different tastes to me and everything. And he filmed it. And the whole video is like, dude, this is bad. This is so bad. He just went around saying everything he hated. And at the end, I was like, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> and the realtor's like, wow, I really didn't think you would after what your friend said. I was like, no, no, we have completely opposite taste. If he hates it, I'm going to love it. Yeah. He's like, oh, there's a stream running through it and a well. Oh, this is yep. annoying. You're going to have to move that if you want to build a house here. Oh, no. This is exactly what he said. He goes, it's a real fixer upper here. And I was yeah. like, wow, that's a lot of value we can realize. You know, he's like, this yeah. looks like a lot of work. I'm like, love it. Um, your neighbors are <laughs> shooting off the back porch. Great. They're not going to care about all the noise I make then. You get it's exactly it. Um, so we, we're coming up towards the end, uh, Jordan. And guys, listen, I'm, I'm just going to make it really simple. You know, I could sit here and, and talk about like all the reasons why you should go and listen to Jordan Harbinger. But the reality is like this guy's one of the top podcasters of all time. Um, I, I've, I've always been blown away by just how good he is and how knowledgeable he is. I'm guessing you already know the Jordan Harbinger show, to be honest with you. And if you don't, you absolutely should check it out. There's a reason the, uh, what are you top now? Are you like top 100? Where are you? Oh at? yeah. I'll, yeah. We're routinely in the top 100. I, we've been dipping into the top 50 and that's overall. Like a lot of people will say, Oh, top 10. It's like, they mean the subcategory of the subcategory. I only talk about the top 100, you know, overall. Cause of all cause podcasts. Yeah. Of all podcasts. Yeah. In the United States. Cause it's measured separately or on Spotify, you know, on the global charts. Cause it doesn't make sense to, to, well, I don't know. I could get into the weeds on that, but I I'm, yeah, right now we're like number 55 overall. And you have to bear in mind, like that includes the New York Times daily news show, <laughs> CNN, uh, you know, Joe Rogan. Like these are the the folks that are that are staples in there. So we're fortunate enough to be in pretty good company without a major media company backing us. And that's in part because of the, the guests that we get on the show and just, you know, speaking for themselves. Dude, yeah, I, I love that. And so you, you guys, you got, have to go and check it out. But Jordan, at the end of every episode, we always get somebody to say, you know, smart businesses, and then what do smart businesses do? So, you know, if you wouldn't mind just sharing with us, like in your mind and your words, what do smart businesses do? Smart businesses and smart business people, they always dig the well before they get thirsty. So they're reaching out and building relationships, especially before they need them. And I think a lot of folks say, they leave networking and relationship development. Either they never do it because they feel like it seems slimy or they they leave it to last priority, which means it never happens. But people who really know what they're doing and realize the value of relationships and what they can do for other people, not just what other people can do for them, they realize that this is actually a top priority, something that they should do five, 10 minutes a day at least because it always pays dividends. And once you need relationships, you're too late to then start building them. So you really do have to dig the well before you get thirsty. I love that. Jordan, thank you ever so much for joining us. So guys, there you have it. Please go and check out absolutely everything this man says. Jordan is truly a, an incredible friend of mine. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm totally blessed to, uh, to know somebody as incredible as him. Jordan, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me on, man. Really appreciate it. Now, if you're new to the podcast and you want to learn more about how to build a smart business, then the absolute best place to start is with my Smart Blueprint ebook. Over 10,000 people have already gone through the book, and it's one of the most comprehensive resources on strategically building and growing your business that you can find anywhere for free. Just visit the smartblueprint.com forward slash ebook to grab a free copy. 
and I'll see you on the next episode of Smart Businesses Do This.